Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Comedy Radio Show, brought to you by the Social Voice Project. I'm your host for the evening, Scott Reinhardt. Tonight, we bring you three comedic performances by local actors. Our performances tonight are in the style of live radio theater, that bygone art form we most remember from radio's golden age of the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. And did you know the golden age of radio actually began in the 1920s because of a little commercial radio station right here in Pittsburgh still on the air today? And that radio station is KDKA, that's right. Sadly, the last classic radio shows passed over in the 1950s and later by the invention of television is extensive. The Lone Ranger, Lights Out, The Shadow, Green Hornet, Information Please, The Fred Allen Show, and Fibber McGee and Molly just to name a few. And the last great radio network radio theater program, CBS's Radio Mystery Theater, simply faded away in the 1980s. Since then, broadcast radio has given us talk radio, sports radio, and endless looping playlists of pop music and mechanized pre-recorded infomercials. Whatever happened to live radio theater? Where did it go? Ladies and gentlemen, look at this stage. Look at this beautiful theater. Here lives radio theater. Alive by dedicated local performing artists such as the actors you will see and hear tonight. But wait, there's more. Today's radio theater is given new life through podcasting. What's a podcast, you ask? Why, it's like radio, but on the internet. In fact, our show tonight is being recorded for a future episode of the Social Voice Project's new radio theater podcast. And it's also being streamed live on the internet as we speak. Tonight we'll see and hear live radio theater performances by... The Cellar Dwellers. Ian Ray. And the Point Blank Comedy Club. So sit back, turn off those cell phones, or put them on airplane mode or vibrate, and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Cellar Dwellers. Oh, what's up, Rochester? How we doing? Good, very good. Welcome, welcome. We are the Cellar Dwellers, and we perform a live improvised show every Friday. Every Friday! But tonight, thank you very much for coming out. May as well just get underway right now. Well, hey gang, it's podcast time, and I want to tell a story, a good one. That's a great idea. Hey, audience, send us your suggestions to at CDimprov on Twitter. That's not going to work at this show, Conrad. Why not, Theo? We get suggestions and make a story like we do at Improv. Conrad, this one's pre-recorded. It's going out to the internet. I want to do something timeless, but maybe a little offbeat. Oh, and something European. I, I don't know what it is, but lately I've been on a surreal kick... Surreal podcasts, surreal commutes, surreal dinners. Jimmy, we get it, the buzzwords. If you guys are taking away my improvised fun away, I insist the story be full of despair. Agreed. Agreed. Well, you're not going to believe this, but I do know a story that is everything you guys are after. It's from a man who lived in Prague. His name's hard to pronounce, but the story's called The Cetamorphomus. Oh my gosh, Jimmy, remember we read that in high school? Yeah, yeah, good story. That's one of those stories I've heard about, but never read myself. I'll tell you what, we read the story out loud, but we add our own take on it, and we can always just improvise if it's boring or whatever. I'm in. But let's start off right. Conrad, 
Will you do the honors? The Social Voice Project presents The Cell Dwellers in Krantz Frafka's timeless short story, The Cetamorphosis. But first, a word from our sponsor. The following is a paired ad by Day Ones of Duncan Sagittarius. <laughs> Yo, what's good, y'all? It's your man, Duncan Sagittarius, and I want to be in the government. Right now, Capitol Hill needs me. America's in trouble, and not just due to the crippling tequila shortage. Schools are freaking lame. Tornadoes happen. People openly hate on the government. One thinks the party's never been so foul. I was told that winning an election feels like hearing your lawyer say she dropped the charges, and that's exactly how I want my constituents to feel. But a bunch of zilches want to know that I'm about it. They want to know my platform. First off, two walls. One on the East Coast, one on the West Coast. We must keep our beaches safe from waves. <laughs> Second, I move that all the fly breezies keep vibing and keeping it tight. Three. A vote for D is a vote for me. My campaign manager said that everybody loves rhyming. I've also got a lot of endorsements lined up for myself. Um, an endorsement is uh, blah, 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 blah. It's someone uh, speaking, speaking good of you. Yeah, yeah, I got a bunch of those. Uh, take it from my high school basketball coach. <laughs> mm, Saggy did well for himself on the court, for sure. Uh, 26 RBIs, kept his errors in the single digits, but where he really shone was in the showers because his real skill was bathing. Uh, a loofah, washcloth, you name it. His balance of hot and cold water. Lordy, watching him lather after every practice changed me. Uh, so there you have it. Um, my driver's ed teacher also has a really inspiring story about me. Uh, Saggy always hated going faster than 40 miles per hour. Uh, one afternoon, I had to ask him straight, you, you got hair on them peaches, boy? You got hair on them peaches, boy? That stuck with me. I want to show all 50 states that them peaches do got hair on them. <laughs> so there's a Tuesday coming up soon, and you'll have to go to the polls. But not like the poll I wrapped my dad's Benz around a few months ago. Saying yes to Sagittarius is saying yes to traditional values and other cool shit. I'm Duncan Sagittarius, so don't remove this message. Day ones of Duncan Sagittarius are not responsible for the outcome of this or any election. The Cetamorphomus, Act 1, Scene 1. Sammy Gregor woke up early in the morning from a night of frightful dreams, only to discover she had been turned into a fleshy, wretched human. <gasps> she had dreamed of a great drought that made resources scarce and working conditions miserable. In fact, she and her family were forced to pack up and look to make their livelihoods elsewhere. Outside the dreams, the hardships were realized to be much worse. It was bizarre that Sammy was now a woman because every moment previous had been spent as a beetle. A shiny, ground-dwelling, shit-rolling beetle. Coming to, onto what had been a suitable bed for a bug, Sammy first noticed she had one less set of arms. What? She was limber, all around more flexible, particularly in her thorax. Rather than her antenna, chestnut hair sat flatly on her head and tickled the shoulders of her new body. Outside of Sammy's family hole, dew was disappearing as the sun rose to prominence. The day was new, and Sammy would be expected for work soon. She could not be expected to carry out her daily tasks like this. She wasn't even the same species as the night before. The floor beneath her was cold. Everything now smelled awful. Ugh. The problems piled on quickly, and Sammy hadn't even seen her family yet. 
Sammy heard the first sounds of her father, mother, and brother scurrying about their abode. At what Sammy thought was the height of her panic, her father knocked on the door. Sammy, come down for breakfast. You gotta get out to work soon. Having not tested out her new voice, Sammy hollered back, I'm not hungry! Just gonna go straight to work today! This startled her father. If this is your monthly cardboard applicator time, you don't need to be ashamed, honey. Every girl bug your it's age- It's not that! I'm just a normal bug! Father, feeling as though he'd intruded, exhaled deeply and returned to his dining table. Why Sammy not coming? You know how girls are, son. Just finish your leaves and go play outside. Okay, Pop, said the young beetle dismissively. He did take a large bite of leaves before he left them. Back in her room, Sammy was beside herself. Why am I a human now? I was getting off fine like I was. I wanted to move to a dumpster, meet new bugs, try new things. Now what the hell am I supposed to do? Sammy's head swam in the most uncomfortable way. Thoughts assaulted her brain until she all she saw was black. She hit the dirt floor with a thud. <gasps> Hard knocks on her door beckoned Sammy back to consciousness. <sighs> Hoping the worst of her dreams had passed, she examined herself. Still a person. The voices on the other side of the door became clearer. It was her family, but another familiar voice was added to the fracas. Sammy wasn't able to make any sensible decisions. She tucked herself snug in a corner, hoping to be concealed from the cruel world and its myriad problems. She heard her father speak. Sammy, Mr. Dunghaller is here. He's concerned about why you're not at work right now. He wants to talk to you. Mr. Dunghaller was Sammy's supervisor at the feces rolling plant. He was, charitably speaking, an unreal douchebag. Dead? Mr. Donghaller? It's just best I don't see anyone right now. I'm alright though, I should be better tomorrow. Mr. Donghaller's voice came through the door. Uh, Sammy, star employee, what's wrong, babe? I have a really sore antenna today. The left one's really stiff, so maybe a day in bed will be all I need. Uh, Mr. Gregor, would you and your family have an eensy-beensy step in the other room? I need to talk to your daughter, alone. They did as they were asked. Once only Sammy was an earshot of Mr. Dunghaller, he unloaded. Alright, listen up, labia flakes. I don't know what the big idea here is, you being a no-call, no-show, but the ship I run is tight. So tight. So if you're not out there moving shit, daddy doesn't get paid. I'm daddy, by the way. So cut the crap, what's your deal? I'm just not feeling well. I'm sorry I didn't call. Damn. <laughs> not good enough, Tasty Nips. Get out here and explain to me and your podunk little parents why their princess ain't out there rolling turds. See? Major bastard. Her boss told everyone he was self-made, but the truth was there was poop everywhere. Sammy reached a breaking point. She flung open the door. Fine! You want me to work? Let's get to work then! I'll ball all the shit you have! Put me on the clock now! Roll all day, all night until your supply is backlogged! Is that what you want?! What the hell are you? And why do you got such a mouth on ya? 
It's me, Mr. Dung Holler. It's Sammy. Sammy Gregor. No, 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 no. Because you see, I've undressed Sammy with my eyes hundreds of times, and whatever you are don't look nothing like her. You're just some sort of mutant. I am Sammy. Evidently, this is what I look like now. So let's just get to work. Let's work. Ball the poo. Punch the clock. Take care of business. T-C-B. <laughs> you can't, you can't turn my bro phrases against me. <laughs> no, crap boy. Dig your heels in. Pack your lunch. Say something, Titus! <laughs> New not beetle lady scare dung holler. Oh, man. Did I just make you regress into a larva? Baby want pug milk. <laughs> With that... Mr. Dungholler hauled himself out of the Gregor Hole. He went out with his bros later that afternoon and bragged about how he fired, quote, Sammy the Slutmeist and drank cheap domestic beer all afternoon. But back to the Gregors. Sammy, what have you done? Dad, I don't know why I look like this. I just woke up and I... I see. You look crazy. But, honey... Why did you speak to Mr. Dungholler how you did? Are you kidding right now? No, young lady, I'm not. That's your boss. You must show him the utmost respect. He's such an aggressive creep, Dad. He shouldn't be talking to anything that way. He signed your checks. Your mother and I taught you better than to bite the hand that feeds. Shut up. I hope Mr. Dungholler gets eaten by a bird and it shits him out on everyone who loved him! Damn, Sammy. That was intense. I will, uh, give you your space. From this point forward, they did give Sammy her space, and then some. You'll see the world alienate her more and more as she struggles adapting to her new skin. And that feels about just as good a place as any to end chapter one on this existentialist tale. And now, a word from our sponsors. The first time around, it was all about the journey. But what would you do once you reach your destination? Holiday 2018. Fill the need. The need for sequels! Kenny Loggins, Highway 2, The Danger Zone, all the excitement, all the tension, all the latent homosexuality. Ah, hold up, hold up, hold up. Uh, to be clear, this isn't a Top Gun movie sequel, is it? Nope. I want to recapture the magic of the first song. Expand the mythology. But get the same fellas together. Pick right up where they left off. Yeah, I don't understand. We're not interested in dumping our resources on a follow-up to an 80s single we want to film. That's the thing. An actual Top Gun 2 has been in the talks forever. If you green light this now, we'll be ahead of the curve and when it finally comes out. I appreciate the enthusiasm, but we're not gonna go ahead of this. Also, the name's confusing. The first song's called Danger Zone, not Highway. There wasn't a first highway, so the Highway 2 thing isn't really as clever as I think you think it is. Loggins wants this. He's yacht-rocking right now, but he'll be ready to go one phone call. If this was 20 years ago, perhaps, but it's not really in the zeitgeist anymore. We pass. Take me to bed or lose me forever. I beg your pardon? Take me to bed or lose me forever.
I'm calling security. <laughs> the Cetamorphomus, Act 1, Scene 2. It was now past noon on the same day at the Gregor Hall. Sammy's mother and father had been out for a few hours. During times of great tension, she suspected her father's libido spiked. They were probably having filthy beetle sex somewhere out in the woods. Her brother could be heard wandering around the living area. He wandered around the exterior as well. Sammy recognized all this as background noise and not worth her attention. She had her own new condition to contend with. Sammy sat lonely in her room for an indeterminate amount of time until she heard a gentle knock at the door. She stood on two legs and went in motion to answer. It was her brother with what looked like a lot of garbage in tow. What are you doing with all that? I brought some things for you. You look softer. These things can protect you. Sammy examined her brother's treasures. Half a peanut shell, a used bandage, bits from a crushed Black Veil Bride CD, and a sweets wrapper. All things considered, being brought this rubbish was the best thing to happen to her all day. She looked at her sibling and decided it was best to at least flatter him. Let me see what I can use. All right, uh, start with this. It's sticky. Her brother motioned towards the bandage. All right, if I put it under this arm around my back, most of these legs. That looks good. Sammy didn't really look good. Aside from the bandage being form-fitting, she looked like she was wearing a tacky beige cocktail dress caked in someone else's blood. There, you'll be safe and warm now. Help me out of this. Let's try that gold wrapper. Human woman or female beetle, Sammy instinctively knew never to settle on the first outfit. She first draped the foil around her like a shawl. That was no good. Uh, chew a hole in the center. Uh, let me see if I can get my head through it. With that, a poncho was created. The dull luster of the wrapper gave Sammy a thrill for a moment. She twirled and her new outfit flared rigidly. I can't kid myself. This isn't cozy at all. But at least you're shiny again, like when you look like mom and dad and me. A strange thought occurred to her as soon as the words left her brother's mouth. She didn't know what she really actually looked like now. What's that other thing you brought? She motioned towards the remains of a CD. I don't know, but you can still have it. Sammy retrieved the biggest piece there was. She propped it up against the wall and was able to see herself, her new self, draped in a Werther's original wrapper, standing what humans could measure an inch or so high. Sammy saw who she was. Can I ask you something? Well, sure. How aren't you scared of me or mad at me? <laughs> I'm your little brother. I don't know any better. But what's going to happen to me? I don't want to expect the worst, but I can't live like this. I've only been a beetle. Mm, could you make believe you're one of us again? What if that's what I was doing this whole time? I don't get it. You had to have heard how I yelled at my boss yesterday. I don't think I ever liked making Mondo balls of poo. Every beetle I know rolled, or will, you'll have to do it someday. I don't remember anything before you were born. I like school as much as I like work. I don't know if I've ever made any choices. Truly. Didn't you want to go to the dumpster, though? Lots of things are at the dumpster. I'll always want to check it out. But did you know some people think that the insides of a dumpster always changes? That's why no one bug is able to tell what it's like to live in one. Wow. 
it gets crazier. What makes up the inside of a dumpster is actually the waste of an animal way bigger than us. Like, you can't even imagine how huge. <laughs> okay, sis, you're really blowing my mind here. I don't think too much about it. I want you to have fun and have friends. Doesn't matter what happens to me. I love you. Sammy's human eyes welled up with wet. It was the kindest words her new ears ever heard. She wiped her tears away, choked back a little, and said, Hey, let's try that last thing you carried in here. The peanut shells shared similarities to beetles, such as length, curves, and relative height. She fit just beneath it. She was concealed, but just as quickly popped back from beneath it. I think this one is great! It looks a little like us, but the narrator probably said that already. What did you say? Nothing. The siblings let the moment land with a comfortable silence. Her brother eventually spoke up again. Why weren't you scared of me when you saw me? Like I am now. I'll always want to be like you. Even with legs like these? Even if we have to take a word from our sponsors. Wait, wait a minute, whoa, now we're not, we're not even going to let that emotional moment land? And now, a word from our sponsors. All the majesty of the ocean. Aquarigible. All the prestige of the heavens. Aquarigible. It's the blimp that brought aquatic life hundreds of feet above sea level. Aquarigible. Soar, the only aquarium in the sky kept afloat by volatile gases. Aquarigible. Recreations of Australia's greatest reefs. Aquarigible. Lobsters and crabs of New England. Aquarigible. Orcas of the Pacific Northwest. Inhumane. Fun for the entire family, unless they hate water or flying. Aquarigible. Ticket packages make it so anyone from any tax bracket may enjoy the sights. Aquarigible. Right. You thought this was just some sort of one percenter spectacle. Aquarigible. Admission with a little left to spend would cost as much as a cross-country trip to a huge theme park. Aquarigible. After all, you're paying for the novelty of enjoying fish in a zeppelin. Aquarigible. Stay for a four-course meal. Aquarigible. Visit our gift shop. Shameless cash grab. Download our app with, for live look-ins at our attractions. Aquarigible. No expense could conceivably be spared when you're in... The Aquarigible. The Cetamorphomus. Act 2, Scene 1. Dearest, can we talk about Sammy, please? Afraid not. Well... Oh, I see you're not interested, but you, you promised me we'd talk about if it got worse, and it has. Excuse the hot take, but talking about it won't make our daughter less of a monster. Oh, my. Well, I was wanting to... You were going to sugarcoat it. Is that what you were going to do? I'm very aware she has grown, but I'm also aware that this has affected our way of life. You know I love her, but the way I've had to deal with it lately has been thinking about two piles of problems. Beetle problems, 
and her problems. Sammy's problems should be our problems. We only have two children. I'm committed to them both. Keeping her here isn't practical. It's worse when she needs to go outside for anything. She's like an urban legend in the area now. Everyone keeps an eye on us, wondering when the premature rat baby's gonna moosey out of our hole. Now hush. Either Sammy or the younger male will hear you. Who cares who hears me inside these walls? I made this place for my family, which was intended to be insects. She's fine. She's just going through a phase. How can you make excuses for that? She went to bed a couple months ago, normal, a, a couple months ago. She wakes up transformed and tells her boss to piss off? Well, we can't be certain of when she changed. Holy shit! Not the most important part of the conversation. I love my daughter and all my family more than anything. I don't know what to do. A big part of me knows I can't help her. Another part of me is relieved I can't. I know it's getting colder. I'm ready to take you and the boy to the forest in probably a week or two. Sammy can't make it there. The space is way more primo in a tree. Oh, this is making me very emotional. I'm not saying say goodbye. What I am saying is living arrangements will be very different when the snow starts falling. Huh. Damn, that was ominous. Well, sorry for interrupting, but I'll continue to narrate now. It was a nice change of pace though, right? Hearing more dialogue instead of prissy writing? Uh, like, like some college students padding an essay, huh? Well, regardless, Sammy did continue to grow. She outgrew the peanut shell reasonably quickly, with her arms fully extended. She could almost reach wall to wall in her room. When she reluctantly left her room, she had to hunch down so as not to bump the top of her head against the earth above. Here's one thing we touched on briefly, though. Her family hole smelled awful. Ugh. Beetles don't get aneurysms, but Sammy's mother and father could feel their brains short out once they heard Sammy lumbering from her room. No doubt to confront them about the exchange which had just occurred. What happens when the snow starts falling, Dad? Oh, honey, Daddy's just blowing off some steam. Correct. And as a matter of fact, you weren't supposed to hear any of that. I'm sure. But now that I'm a bigger... whatever I am, I can hear way better. I meant what I said, Sammy. If you were smaller, it'd be one thing. But I mean, I, I don't even know what you eat now. I don't know what I should be eating either! And with you not doing beetle work, we're not getting enough beetle income in the house. Hey, idiot, there's nothing I can do about that. Oh, Samantha, your father's right there. I'm talking about you! I knew Dad would behave like this when it happened. But you really confuse me. You don't stick up for me now, but you don't stick up for yourself ever! Oh, well, dear, I learned my place a long time ago. <sighs> Why is everybody fighting? Did Dad walk around inside a grain alcohol bottle again? Oh, my precious baby, no. They were talking about how I can't come with you to the trees. <gasps> well, I'm sorry I have to say a bad word, but this is Balderdash. <gasps> Yo young man. It's true. Sammy is still Sammy, and that's my sister. Well, Sammy is now in threat. She scares everyone. I'm scared, too. 
nothing was said after that. The Gregor Beetles continued to live in their hole for more than a week before they needed to ship out for the winter. Sammy scarcely left her room in that period. She could see Frost gather outside and knew it wouldn't be long until her family left. She wished her family hadn't been so cold towards her, yet could appreciate their desire for survival. She heard a knock at the door now. It was her brother. Dad and Mom need to leave, and if I don't go with them, I might die. Go to the tree with them. But when the seasons turn and it gets hot out again, don't go back to a hole. Try and talk our parents into doing anything different. There's always someone else out there to roll shit. It doesn't need to be you. You told me the first day I turned into what I am now that you always wanted to be like me. Don't be anything like me. I'll always want you to be yourself. Sammy Gregor saw many beetles during the rest of her days. She couldn't say for sure if any of them were her father, her brother, or her mother. The Cetamorphomus, Act 2, Scene 2. Sammy was found propped up against the dumpster. For all intents and purposes now, she was a full-fledged human. At the end of a vacant lot, nearly out of every passerby's line of sight, before she passed out, a bum, I mean, a homeless guy, felt bad for her naked ass. Yo, you're either dead or you're doing performance art. Which is it? Please answer. That's how I'll know whether or not to call 911. What? Oh, uh, are you good? Are you in danger? Or, you, or don't you want to break character? Break character? Right. Uh, you picked a... <laughs> You picked a pretty effing night to make a statement in the underclass. Okay, would you want to come with me or I'll buy you anything you want to eat and drink if you're really not a starving artist uh, and would need help? I'll get you to a shelter. Sammy agreed to go with him to a local restaurant. Sammy's first night as a human went like so. It's really bright in here. Hey, what up? Name's Duncan. Well, up is the ceiling above us. Good one. Good one. Ah, uh, Duncan Sagittarius, you may have heard me on the radio. Uh, Sammy Gregor. What's that, like Portuguese or something? I don't, I'm not, uh, I guess I would say it's Beatles. <laughs> tight, tight. Is that like African, Asia? Never mind. Um, so me and my boy uh, Johnny are going down to Denny's if you want to join us. Um, I see you're wearing, it looks like a caramel wrapper, and that's weird, but I mean, no caramel wrapper, no shoes, no problems, right? <laughs> um, sure, whatever you say. 20 minutes later at Denny's. So you say you've never been to a Denny's before, uh... Pretty bitchin'. Uh, they got pancakes all 24 hours, so that's... I mean, it, it smells cool. pretty good in here. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, they sell pancakes in Beetalabra. Is that something for people like me that I can drink? Uh, it's... Are there other people out there like me? Oh, hey, you two. Hey, I'm sorry to just pop in like this and interrupt you, but... No my, problem. My she name... was, like, having a whole existential thing. What's up? Oh, wow, that sounds pretty great, but my yeah. name's Amos. I'll be taking care of you this evening. Can I start you off with anything to drink? Yeah, uh, Diet Dr. Pepper. Whoa, Diet Dr. Pepper for the man <laughs> and for the little lady. Um... 
Show of a Diet Dr. Pepper, too. Two Diet Dr. Pepper for your crew. All right, I'll be right back. Okay. I don't understand what we're do supposed to do with this floppy thing he just gave us. Come again? This this floppy thing lined in plastic. What What is it for? I mean, I see there's food on it, but I can't... Uh, oh, it tastes... Oh, this is awful. This tastes gross. Why... Yeah, don't don't eat don't eat that. That's not the food. Um, seems okay, like a sort you of thing Here's your huh? soft drinks. That should go without saying that refills are free. And again, my name's Amos. Just flag me down if you need anything. I'll be right back to get your entrees. Hey, Amos, Amos, can I talk are, to you away from the table for a second? Oh, are, are I, I guess I'm pretty in the weeds right now, but I'll hear what you have to say. Anything for a tip. Amos, I need, I need, I need your friendly advice right in here. Um... Oh boy. You ever picked up somebody wearing a Werther's Candy original after claiming she's from some European country you've never heard of before? Uh, yeah, you know, she sounds kind of like one of those performance artists, actually. Ah, son of a bitch! <laughs> yeah. Okay, um... Well, I, hey, listen, friend, I'm sorry. I'm a little out of my league here, but I hope you have a good night. Hope right. it works out. All right, election day, November 19th. Get out. Rock the vote. <clears throat> Hey, um, uh, Sammy, was it? S Sam, Sam Dog, Sam, hey, um, so I'm gonna go, and you can keep being, you know, all hippy-dippy or whatnot, keep, keep vibing, that's is cool. That, is that a term for, for Beatles who have turned into whatever I am now? Weirdly, that made a lot more sense than I think it should have. I'm gone. Bye. <laughs> that uh, is where we will leave Sammy Gregor. The world and circumstances as an abstract invaded her enough as is, but this isn't where her story ends. After that good cup of coffee and okay conversation, Sammy knew she was among her people. A small part of her mind realized that, in all likelihood, her problems would grow with her as well. But, beetle or not, that's the ball of shit we all roll. Just like Sisyphus, up the hill. Wait a minute, missed opportunity, Shitsyphus. That's the guy's name. And don't suppose she just ended up with that guy, by the way. She has her full life ahead of her, alright? So don't just project the patriarchy onto the end of the story, which, which just ended. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. Enjoy the other acts. The Cellar Dwellers, everyone, let's hear it for them one more time. Join them every Friday night. Every Friday! That's right, you heard right. Every Friday at 10 p.m. at Beaver County Bowl. Next up, let's hear it for Ian Ray. Please. Good evening, everyone. This is a little something called Shakespeare on the Planet Bard. The humans are coming! The humans are coming! You're the most dramatic alien I've ever met. Really, Mercutio, I don't know what to do with you. Why are you so excited about those creatures from the planet Earth visiting us anyway? I think here on Planet Bard, we have accomplished much more than those puny little humans could ever hope for. What makes them so great? Do they think where they were born makes them any better than us Bardians? You know, while some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. 
those humans won't know greatness till they arrive and see the greatness before them and hope they catch some of your greatness because no way am I giving up even a piece of how truly, truly great I am. Oh, Tybalt, you are so great. Your words sound like music to my ears. And if music be the food of love, play on, because I am in love with you and I could listen to music forever. Oh, come on, Benvolia. I can't believe my own sister fell for that pompous jackass. He's such a low, despicable creature. His name might as well be Bottom. Ha <laughs> ha! Well, Mercutio, it doesn't matter how in love I am, because Tybalt never notices me. It's not fair. Ah, the course of true love never did run smooth. <laughs> true love? I highly doubt that, but at least nothing will come of nothing. As I've always said, nothing is made of less than something and a lot less than everything. So if you have nothing, you needn't worry about having too much, but you might have to worry you have too little. Ush, you bull! As the smartest, most cunning Bardian from the beautiful planet of Bard, I must interject and insist we figure out a proper greeting for these lowly human creatures. Anything you say, Tybalt? Oh, for the love of sonnets! As I was saying, perhaps we should honor these human creatures with a demonstration from their own inferior culture to prove that we are most happy to become allies, no matter how foolish these earthlings may be. We are a people rather talented in the performing arts, and I have requested some copies of their favorite works for us to learn and replicate for their enjoyment. I trust you have learned to read that English alphabet their language is concocted in. Yes, my darling. Yes, of course. Their language is so simple it's almost comical. Lord, what fools these mortals be. Good, and not a second too soon. The humans have arrived. My word, they are ugly. Greetings, human earthling creatures. I am Tybalt, and these are my Bardian comrades, Mercutio and Benvolia. Have you names, aliens? Top of the morning to you, my name is Bob. Good I might. My name is Joe. And I'm Sue. It's so great to meet you. I've heard you've prepared a performance for us. I'm, like, so excited. Patience, humans. It is my understanding your custom is to first engage in the polite offering of food or drink as a sign of welcome in your society. I are quite right, mate. I'll take some grub. Can I have, like, a burger and fries and a large soda? I'm not entirely hungry at the moment. Is there anything we can get you to drink? Tea. Earl Grey. Hot. Right away, Captain! Enough of the hunger and thirst standing in our way of our performance. We have convened from different planets for the purpose of engaging in the dramatic arts. So we must begin tonight's featured presentation. Please silence all telecommunication devices and be aware of the emergency exits at the end of the spaceships to your right and the shuttlecraft to your left. Thank you for your cooperation and enjoy the show with a reminder that all the universe is a stage and the aliens and humans merely players in it. They have their exits and their entrances and one alien in his time plays many parts. 
This is, as you humans say, a mashup of your two favorite works of literature by Mr. Will I M. Shakespeare. Mercutio will read the part of Juliet from Romeo and Juliet in his hilariously comedic style, while Benvolia reads the part of Macduff from Macbeth in her passionately romantic style. The Scottish play, oh no, and upon my orders, begin. Well, thou be gone, it is not yet near day. It was the nightingale and not the lark that pierced the fearful hollow of thine ear. Nightly she sings on yon pomegranate tree. Believe me, love, it was the nightingale. Let us rather hold fast the mortal sword, and like good men bestride our downfall in birthdom. Each new morn, new widows howl. New orphans cry, new sorrows strike heaven on the face, that it resounds as if it felt with Scotland and yelled out, like syllable of dollar, Your night is not daylight, I know it I, it is a meteor that the sun exhales. To thee a torch-bearer, and light on thy way to Mantua, therefore stay yet, thou needest not to be gone. I am not treacherous. It is, it is, be gone away. It is the log that sings so out of tune, straining harsh discords and unpleasing sharps. Some say the log makes sweet division, but this doth not so, for she divideth us. Some say the log and lo, the toe-chained eyes. Oh, now I would have thy changed voices too, since arm from arm that voice doth us affray. Hunting thee hence with hunts up to the day. Oh, now be gone, more light and light it grows. I have lost my hopes, nurse. Bleed, bleed, poor country. Great tyranny, lay thou thy base ashore. For goodness dare not check thee, where thy thou wrongs. The title is a feared. Fare thee well, Lord, I would not be the villain that thou thinkest for the whole space that's in the tyrant's grasp and to the rich east to boot. No, 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 you are ruining the beautiful masterpiece we call the English language. You are not worthy of this great work. Romeo and Juliet is a love story and should be filled with the burning desires of two star-crossed lovers, while Macbeth is a tale of brutal greed and power that must be approached so boldly you have it all wrong. Wait right there, do not leave your seats. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor, McAlien and Lovingham. Whatever shall we do? They hated us. How will we ever be good enough for their human standards? What's so great about these earthlings anyway? Their names are so boring, Bob, Joe, Sue. You'll think if Mr. Williams' planet was so great, they could be a little more creative with their names. Like ours, Tybalt, Benvolia, Mercutio. It is the simplest thing. Why couldn't they use interesting names? Am I right, Benvolia? Of course, Tybalt. But why are your names so important anyway? Tis just a name. Really, what's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other word would smell as sweet. Don't you agree, my brother, dear Mercutio? Oh, you two are impossible. A plague on both your alien houses. Well, if we are going to fix this, we must understand what those earthlings think the great Guardians did wrong. If Romeo and Juliet is the romantic play, perhaps Benvolia would be a better fit with that work and begin as Romeo, which would leave you, Mercutio, to read the part of Malcolm in the play Macbeth. Agreed? We will do this right or it's off with our heads! 
Humans, we are ready now. Prepare to be amazed. It was the lark, the herald of the morn. No nightingale, look, love, what envious streaks do lace the severing clouds in yonder east. Night's candles are burnt out, and Jacunde stands tiptoe on the misty mountaintops. I must be gone and live, or stay and die. What I believe, I'll wail, what no believe, and what I can redress. As I shall find the time to friend, I will. What you have spoke, it may be so perchance. This tyrant whose sole name blisters our tongues was once thought honest you have loved him well. He hath not touched you yet. I am young, but something you may deserve of him through me and wisdom to offer up a weak, poor, innocent lamb to appease an angry god. Let me be taken, let me be put to death. I am content, so thou wilt have it so. I'll say yon gray is not the morning's eye, tis but the pale reflex of Cynthia's brow, nor that it is not the lark, whose notes do beat the vaulty heavens so high above our heads. I have more care to stay than will to go. Come, death, and welcome, Juliet wills it so. How is it, my soul? Let's talk, it is not day. But Macbeth is a good and virtuous nature, may recoil in an imperial charge, but I shall crave your pardon, that which you on my thoughts cannot transpose. Angels are bright still, though the brightest fell, through all things foul would wear the brows of grace, yet grace must still look so. More light and light, more dark and dark are woes, perchance even there where I did find my doubts. Why in that rawness left you wife and child, those precious motives, those strong knots of love, without leave-taking, I pray you, let not my jealousies be your dishonors, but mine own safeties. You may be rightly just, whatever I shall think. Oh, shut up already. This is a complete disgrace of our true thespian work. You are not taking this seriously. Have you even done any research into the meaning behind the words? You are not worthy of performing one of Shakespeare's dramas. Maybe a comedy would suit you better, and maybe one of you who has not yet tried to entertain us so stupidly should begin. I know those two are fools. I am the truly great guardian. Perhaps if I perform a monologue, I can please you, human creatures. So I shall attempt this deeply moving portrayal of suffering and grief with all the torment and tumultuous rage inside of me. This is Puck's heartbreaking monologue from A Midsummer Night's Dream. Lead on myself. Wait, A Midsummer Night's Dream is a comedy. What are you preparing to do? It's not full of suffering and rage. It makes you chuckle with laughter. If we shadows have offended, think but this and all is mended, that you have but slumbered here while these visions did appear, and this weak and idle theme, no more yielding but a dream. Gentles, do not reprehend. If you pardon, we will mend. And as I am an honest puck, we have unearned luck now to scape the serpent's tongue. We will make amends. Ere long, else the puck a liar call. So good night unto you all. Give me your hands if we be friends, and Robin shall restore amends. That was beautiful. Oh, I am forever moved by your tragic, lonely words. What is wrong with you, aliens? Have you no class? 
I did not feel moved by Romeo and Juliet in awe of Macbeth or amused by A Midsummer Night's Dream. You have failed miserably, and we do not want to be allies with a planet that has no respect for the bard, even though your planet is named Planet Bard. Oh, ironic. Wait, wait, we can do better, I promise. I could do so much better than Tybalt, certainly. Perhaps I shall be the star. I will be a star, a fabulous shining star bursting with ultraviolet light that blinds us with its beauty. And I may add, has nearly blinded us altogether when we stare at its blinding beauty for just a little too long. Oh, I will be. I will be. But is that fair to my dear sister Benvolia and that snobbish alien but Tybalt? Oh, woe is me. Shall I be? To be or not to be? That is the question. Just shut your alien hole, and let's find a scene with three roles for all three of us to play. All three of us, after all, have been delegated to welcome the humans to our body and planet with entertainment from their home planet Earth. I don't know why we're getting in such a tizzy over this performance. Mr. Will I Am is nothing like anything we have ever seen before. We are Bardians, after all, I wish the council from Stratford-on-Avon had allowed us to perform our own work. I feel so much more comfortable reciting words I know. Do thine own self be true, after all? So what do you suggest we do? Here, here is one that seems to be a fit for three actors. Tim, all for your own satisfaction, you read the part of the first, I the second, and Benvolia the third. It is also from Macbeth, but these seem to be much more interesting characters than most of what Mr. Will I Am writes about. Much more like ourselves, I believe. I highly doubt that. When shall we three meet again, in thunder, lightning, or in rain? When the hurly-burly's done, when the battle's lost and won, that will be ere the set of sun. Where the place? Upon the heath. There to meet with Macbeth. I come, Greymarkin. Had a calls. Anon. Fair is foul, and foul is fair. Hover through the fog and filthy air. Hey, that's not right. All three of us were supposed to say that last line together. You better watch yourself before there's some toil and trouble. And I mean it, buddy, on the double. Oh, this whole performance is getting to me more tiresome than it's worth. I can't wait until it is summertime and the visit from these foolish humans is over and done with. Yes, now is the winter of our discontent. Hey, who are you calling foolish, you aliens? Let's just try that line again, all of us, this time. There is foul. And foul is fair. Hover through the fog and filthy air. Now, isn't that better, human earthling creatures? It was much improved. I appreciate the welcome, and maybe we can form an alliance after all. You three are quite the witches. We do appreciate the effort and accept your friendly greetings. Shall we see more of Planet Bard? With pleasure. Things always do work themselves out. As I always say, all's well that ends well. Ian Wright, ladies and gentlemen. Ian Ray. All right, ladies and gentlemen, 
We'll take a short break and then return for more live radio theater. Please visit the Rochester Theater Complex Cafe right out in the lobby, have some refreshments, and come back for the rest of the show. See you soon. Oh, proceeds from the show will benefit the Rochester Area Heritage Society. Every week, the fine audio sound recordists at the Social Voice Project bring you the best in local podcasting right here in Beaver County, Pennsylvania. What's a podcast, you ask? Why, it's like radio, but on the internet. Local history, community profiles, storytelling, performing arts, and theater. That's right, theater. In fact, tonight's presentation is being recorded live by the Social Voice Project, and it's going to be a podcast. The Social Voice Project, preserving the stories and voices of our time. Start your own podcast today with The Social Voice Project and let us do the recording for you anytime, anywhere. Hello, everyone. Now that intermission is over... I hope you're all refreshed and relaxed and ready for our next act. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for the Point Blank Comedy Club. Alfred Wells, and I'll be your guide on a journey you won't soon forget. Tonight on this program, we will explore the world between our signal and your radio. The static between the stations, the silence between the songs. Tonight we explore the dead air. In some corners of the world, the past seems to live forever. The Parisian countryside, the ruins of Rome, the closet of a 40-year-old bachelor. Tonight's program takes us to one of these places, a quaint New England town by the name of Graceport. Graceport is a summer town, the kind of place where you know everyone's name, everyone's problems, everyone's secrets. But most important to us. Graceport is the last place on earth that you can still hear these words. Hello, operator. Now, don't adjust your dial. We're still in the year 2018, but something is different about that year in Graceport. Hello, I'd like to make a long-distance call. Certainly, sir. One moment, please. That voice is Suzanne Johnson. 
Perhaps the last telephone operator left in the world. What's the number, sir? Blame it on that New England stubbornness. But the people of Graceport have always just been too darn polite to fire Miss Johnson. And so, as the world on shore changed, Graceport refused to. For over 40 years, Miss Johnson has been behind the switchboard along with her co-worker, Debbie Patterson. What do you want? The pair answered every call on the island, ingoing and outgoing. Hello, operator. Yes. Can you connect me with Mrs. Mulberry, please? Right away. One moment, please. Now, operator, this is a very personal call. You won't be on the line, will you? This was a common question for the pair. Being a telephone operator requires discipline, integrity, and confidentiality. Of course not, sir. Unfortunately for the citizens of Graceport, Debbie and Susan's discipline, integrity, and confidentiality has aged almost as poorly as the technology they preside over. Psst! Debbie! Personal call on line three! Oh, I'm already listening. Who was that? No one! Every call in and out of Graceport goes through the two, and almost all of them are listened to by the pair, from the banality of suburban life. I was thinking we may paint the siding green. Ugh, green will look so gaudy with those shutters. Not that subtlety has ever been your strong suit, Jackie. To the sweet nothings of the local teen romances. I love you! I love you! I love you! I love you! Oh, he loves her! <laughs> and yes, even the occasional prank call. Uh, is your, uh, can, can you connect me to Seymour Butts? Uh, I don't see a Seymour Butts here. Seymour Butts. But, uh, Seymour, no, I don't see any butts in the directory, sir. Are you sure that's the name? I'm pretty sure there are a lot of butts. Are you sure you don't have a butt? No, I don't have a butt, sir. <laughs> then you'd better call a doctor. <laughs> oh, darn, he was on the next page. But... When you spend all your time listening to things you probably shouldn't, you're bound to eventually overhear something you really shouldn't. Hello, operator. Hello, long distance, please. Certainly. Can I have a name to charge this to? Yes, it's John Winters. And where are we calling today, sir? Who is it? It's John Winters. Eight, two, one, San Francisco. Connecting you now. Thank you. What is that noise? That's just the phone dialing, sir. Okay. Hello? Hello, Thomas. It's John. Is anyone there with you? No, it's just us. I don't think anyone can hear me here. They have no idea. <laughs> I'm a bit late, but I trust you're taking care of it. I'm working on it. It should have been done by now. It's not that simple. Should we be listening? Shh, shh. I can't wait forever, John. It's bad enough I was delayed this long. Just a little more time. I need to make sure everyone's on board. Fine. Call whoever you need to. He hung up. <laughs> calm down, calm down. What was that? They could have been talking about anything. Why did they say it so many times? I don't know. What is it? It could be anything. 
Oh my god. What? It's murder. No! Yeah, that's it. He's gonna murder someone and ship them to San Francisco. Oh, who would he kill? How can you expect me to know? I've only been eavesdropping once. This is all just a misunderstanding. We'll find out when he makes the next call. You still want to listen in on his calls after that? It's our civic duty to at this point. How so? We could be heroes. We have the chance to prevent a crime, Susan. Or we could be committing one. <laughs> Listening in on people's phone calls is not a crime, Susan. Yes, it is, Debbie. Oh my god. I'm a criminal. I'll be sure to visit you in prison. <laughs> oh, I've become the thing I swore to protect. You swore to protect criminals? No, wait. I don't, I don't remember. What were we talking about? I have to go clear my head. Can you take over? Oh, of course. Okay, let me know if we get another call from John Winters. Oh, will do. Operator. Hello, Mr. Westing. Yes, I'll connect you to Mr. Bloom now. Operator. Hello, Miss, Mr. John. Connecting you to Mr. Downing now. Operator. Hello, Mrs. Johnson. You want to talk to Mr. Gutterman? I'll connect you. Operator, Mr. Gutterman for Mr. Black. I'll connect you. Operator, operator, Mrs. Thomas and Mr. Johnson for Mrs. Downing and Mr. Crow. Was that Mr. Thomas and Mrs. Crow and Downing for John? So I'll, I'll connect you. Yes, hello, Mr. Gutterman. I'm, I'm very sorry connecting you to Mr. Downing now. Johnson for Towns for Guttenberg. Put, towns for Applewood. Where's Appleway? Appleway for Johnson. Uh, hello? Mrs. Towns for who? Thomas? Hello? Operator. Uh, hello? Connect? Who? Connecting? Hello? I'm, I'm very, very sorry. Not now! Can you please repeat? Oh, never mind. Hello? Uh, oh, call later. Hello, Mrs. Weston? Hello, Weston? Hello? No, no, no. What? Phones are closed! Good night! I'm back. Thanks for covering. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Hello, John Winters for Jim Anderson, please. It's him! What? Nothing. Uh, who can I direct you to? Connect me to Seth Samuels, please. Directing you now. Thank you. Who do you call? The only person in town whose calls we don't listen to. Uh, Seth Smith speaking. Hello? <laughs> it's John. Is this Seth? Yes, that's why said, isn't it? Sorry, I couldn't hear you. What's that supposed to mean, huh? It was just very hard to hear you, that's all. I Are you saying there's something silly with my voice, Jonathan? No, of course not. I, I should certainly hope so. This is my worst nightmare. Seth, I'm calling you about the plans tonight. Yes, I've taken your stupendous offer into consideration, and I've decided to, well, accept. I can feel his spit hitting me through the phone. Great. I'm sure that he'll be there. On just one little simple condition. They could be talking about anything you have no proof of. I get to be the one who pulls the trigger. I can't listen to this anymore! Ah! Oh, they're gonna shoot someone! Oh, I know, but who? I don't know, I don't know! Ah! <laughs> what do we 
do? What do we do? Should we call the cops? I'm gonna call the cops. No! What are you doing? You said listening into the calls was a crime. I am not going down for this. Debbie, that's crazy. This poor guy is about to die. I wasn't made for prison, Susan. I'm not tough like you. I couldn't last. Should I answer it? Yes, hurry. Hello, connect me to Dr. Bill Braxley, please. Thank you. It's the guy from before. Hello, did you hear me? Transfer me to Dr. Bill Braxley, please. Uh, yes, sir, right away, sir. Hello? Dr. Braxley, it's Thomas. How are you? I've been... Bill? Better. Great. Look, I just wanted to talk about the plans for later. Look, you know I've been losing my patience, so I'm really looking forward to tonight. Well, I think we all are. You know, what I'm really looking forward to is just watching him die. I think it's going to be everyone's favorite part. This is so disgusting! <gasps> well, anyway, I was just calling to confirm your- Presence? Yes, exactly. Just wanted to make sure of your presence tonight. I'll be there in a few minutes. See you there. What are we doing? He said they're just a few minutes away. This guy is going to be dead, Debbie. Listen, they said they had to call a few people. Why don't we just listen to all the calls, figure out who they're targeting, then call that person and tell them. Simple. Debbie, that's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah, thank you. Hello, operator? Connect me to Betsy Rose, please. Thank you. Of course. Hello, is this Betsy? Is this John? John Winters? Oh, how are ya? You know, I heard the craziest story the other day about you. I don't know if you knew this. Well, I was in the supermarket and I was talking- I have to stop you right there, Betsy. You see, we're in a bit of a rush. Of course, of course. Well, how can I help you? You know, before you answer that, I gotta tell you what I heard at brunch the other day. There I was, sitting with Rachel when I- Betsy, all I need to know is if you told anybody. Of course not. Why would I want to tell anyone this? I know the game. I know the rules. Hush, hush. Very quiet. Very quiet. I get it on the down low. You know what they used to call me in the third grade? A stitch. Because I kept all my secrets stitched up. I never told anyone about the time that Betsy, I... That's all I needed to know. Goodbye. I'll be there soon. I'm two minutes away. You'd think by now we'd know his name. This is a horrible plan, Debbie. Well, what else are we supposed to do? I don't know. I don't know. Hello? Operator! Uh, yes, uh, Ben Howard, uh, I'd like to contact customer service, please. Certainly, sir, one moment, please. <clears throat> customer service. Yes, sir, I understood. Just one moment, please. Uh, uh, bill billing department. Connecting you now! Uh, these damn machines never work. Why aren't you listening to that call? Oh, it's just a customer service call. He'll be on hold forever. Connect me to John Winters immediately, please. Certainly. Hurry. Hello? John, it's Thomas. We're here at Ben's house. Where are you? His name is Ben. Ben? Ben. Hmm. <gasps> Wait! The what? customer service call! What? The customer service guy is named Ben. Switch over to him! Thank you for calling the village. John and Thomas. Oh my god, they're going to kill him on the telephone while he's on hold. Switch to them! Alright, we're almost there now. Stay quiet. We're hiding in the back. Switch back! 
sir. Sir, hello, can you hear me? He can't hear you over the music. Sir, click back to the others. Is that you parking? Yeah, I've got Seth and Thomas with me. Is Bill there? Yeah, I've got him in the... Present, present and accounted for, John. Great, don't forget, I told Seth he could pull the trigger on this one. Click back to Ben! Oh, for the love of God, get out! We are currently experiencing technical difficulties. Click back, click back, click back! Alright, on the count of three, we'll barge in and take him by surprise. Everybody ready? Ready. Three. Oh, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out! Two. They're coming to kill you! One. You are Surprise! Yeah. What the hell? Oh my god. I can't listen! Oh, I can't look away! You guys, how did you even know it was my birthday? What? But, and Bill, is that... Oh, is that tie-dye? Well, we know how much you loved dying at the picnic, so we figured, what the heck, we'd do it at your birthday! Well, why did they call Thomas in San Francisco? Oh, and Tomas, you're in from San Fran. Oh, God, I haven't seen you in ages. Oh, what can I say? John talked me into coming. I was worried my flight was too late and you'd be in bed already. Oh, no way. This is perfect. But what about Bill losing his patience? Now, now Bill, I, I know it's been tough with you losing some of your patients at the hospital this month, Bill, so, so thank you very much. Your, your presence means a lot. Well, that's not all. We all pitched in and got you a present, too. Oh, wow, you guys. Uh, oh, but why did they call Betsy? I'm just so glad that the cat is out of the bag. God, you know how big my mouth is? I feel like John and Thomas were calling me every day, making sure I hadn't told you. Thank God they never did. <laughs> you know, I, I tried to call you earlier, John, and, and see if you wanted to hang out, but the operator said the lines were busy or something and hung up. Debbie? Debbie, was that, was that you? Yeah, if you put that girl through, we could have avoided this entire thing. He could be talking about any operator. <laughs> oh, and I almost completely forgot you guys caught me while I was on the phone. One second, guys. Uh, hello, operator. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can go ahead and cancel that call. It uh, looks like my friends and I are going to have a killer night ahead of us. <laughs> it sounds absolutely killer. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Bye now. I guess that certainly teaches us about listening and other people's conversations. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. From this moment forward, Debbie, I'm doing it honestly. Let's agree to no more snooping. Yeah. To no more eavesdropping. Yeah. And let's agree to no more listening. From now on, we do our jobs by the book. Yeah. And let's agree, most importantly, to never speak of this again. Yeah. Yeah. It's Harry Watterson. He's calling his mistress. Ooh, well, I guess peeking in on just one more call couldn't really hurt anybody. <laughs> Connecting you now, sir. The next time you pick up a phone, eager to spill a new and juicy rumor fresh from the supermarket checkout line, I want you to stop and consider the story you heard tonight. Think about what really goes on in people's lives. What happens 
when there truly is more to the story than there seems. Consider who might really be on the other end of that endless and petty game of telephone. Or you might just find you and your cell signal trapped in the dead air. The Point Blank Comedy Club, one more time, let's hear it for Thank you, thank you very much. To end our show tonight, we want to bring our radio theater performers back onto the stage to give them a chance to introduce themselves and answer any questions you might have and promote their projects. So, uh, the cellar dwellers, please come out. Hey again. Hi there. Hello. Hey there. So we are the Cellar Dwellers, as you may have heard. Uh, we are a improv comedy troupe that performs in the area. We perform every Friday night. Every Friday! And as you can see, there is a call and response. Clearly, some people that have been to our show are, in fact, here tonight. Uh, yes, we perform every Friday night at 10 p.m. in the Beaver Valley Bowl. Uh, it's down in Rochester. Uh, we have been in uh, that space for a long time. The Dwellers have been performing for what? 21 years. We have not been performing with the Dwellers for 21 years. I was not three when I started doing improv comedy, but the Dwellers have been performing for 21 years. Um, and we encourage you to come out and check us out some Friday night. Admission is only $5. Yes. That's important. That's important to know. Well, anyway, I, I don't think we have much else to say. Oh, sir? Yes, we have yes. a lot of audience participation games, and you don't need to have performed improv before to play these games. They're they're really nice little fun little games for newcomers to come in and be a part of our show. And if you play with us at any time with our audience participation games, you get a crappy, a crappy prize. prize. Yes. So that's a nice little incentive to uh, participate with us, aside from you know getting to be on stage with us. No, anyway, I, I would personally like to thank everybody speaking on behalf of the organization. Yeah. Thanks for coming out and supporting this tonight. Yeah, much appreciated. <laughs> and it should go without saying we want to do more of this excellent stuff in the future. So thank you very much, Kevin, for having us and thank you. the yes. rest of the fellas operating the tech. Let's give an extra hand to Theo who wrote our sketch tonight. Thank you to the entire Social Voice Project for letting you hear us and letting everyone online hear us and making us sound halfway decent. Yeah. <laughs> totally. um, as far as we are concerned, you can follow our social media at CD Improv on Twitter, at CD Improv on Instagram, and on Facebook at The Cellar Dwellers. Make sure you look for The Cellar Dwellers. That's the Rochester-based comedy group. The page named Cellar Dwellers is a Finnish metal band, so... <laughs> That's not a joke, that's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, The Cellar Dwellers on Facebook. That's where we post all our events, all our things like that. It's going to be your best place to find us and all what we do. Anything else from you guys? Uh, well, I just want to say that uh, I am actually going to be in a play uh, with RX Theater Productions. Thank you, uh, people who are also in RX. <laughs> um, 
So it is called Murder on the Budapest Express. It's a murder mystery, kind of poking a little bit of fun of on uh, Murder on the Orient Express. It's going to be at the Merrick Art Gallery in New Brighton uh, for the next two Friday, Fridays and Saturdays. And admission is $12, and it starts at 7, yeah, 7 o'clock. And um, it's a really funny murder mystery. And when the detective character interviews us, uh, he will open it up so that the audience can question us, the suspects. And no, I'm not going to tell you if I'm the murderer or not, so you have to come and find out. <laughs> so I think, I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that's it for us, folks. Again, thank you. And now let's hear from the other excellent acts that executed tonight. Yes. yes. And remember, we do it every Friday. Every Friday. Although tonight it's a Saturday. <laughs> Beaver Valley Bowl, five dollars, ten o'clock. And now, if we can have Ian Ray come up to the stage, please. Hi, everybody. I hope you're having a good night. Um, not too much to say right now. I am a local actor. I'm not a writer, so that's why I incorporated a lot of a very famous writer into my piece tonight. You will be seeing me again in a few years. I am transgender, so I will be transitioning and auditioning for male roles and starting a new career as a professional actor, so I don't have any other projects. This was kind of a preview of what's to come. So. It's an interesting night for me tonight because I'm just getting used to the name I feel comfortable with and thank you so much for coming. Great job to Cellar Dwellers and the Point Blake Comedy Club and thank you to the Social Voice Project for putting this together. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> now, if you please, the Point Blank Comedy Club. Hello. 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 Thank Hi. you for responding. Much appreciated. We are the Point Blank Comedy Collective slash club. We still haven't figured it out yet. Yay! Um, <laughs> two of our members are missing, so we're gonna, if they pop up, just don't nope, be alarmed. No, they're here. Oh, they're here. We're good. So, we are a semi-official student-run club at Point Park University, downtown Pittsburgh. Uh, we are dedicated to furthering comedy projects through education and student productions. So our club is proud to be made up of a diverse group of students from all across the campus, all of whom contribute as writers, performers, and crew members for our various projects. Our portfolio ranges from radio and stage plays like the one you saw tonight to live improv shows and award-winning TV film projects. We got one award. Yeah! <laughs> Uh, in addition to our own work, uh, the collective uh, also hosts annual stand-up comedy nights on campus and master classes from uh, working professionals who are comedians, um, writers, actors, and more. 
We'll be found performing in all kinds of venues this year, from downtown comedy clubs to the brand new Pittsburgh Playhouse, which it, it is completed right now. It is completed. Awesome. I'm so excited to see it yes. myself. Yes. And if you enjoyed tonight's show, be sure to catch us again soon. Upcoming shows include an improv performance on September 7th and 8th. Sorry about that, my bad. September 7th at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Arcade Comedy Theater in downtown Pittsburgh and the pilot taping of our brand new sketch comedy series, Point Blank Presents, on September 22nd at 6 o'clock p.m., which is also at the Arcade Comedy Theater. And for more information, you can uh, can visit us on Twitter and Facebook at Point Blank PPU, you know, if you want. That'd be cool. That's it. Anyways, we love you guys. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you. All right. The Point Blank Comedy Club. Let's hear it for them one more time. See you guys. Now, I'd like to introduce Mr. Kevin Farkas of the Social Voice Network. Mr. Farkas. Thank you, Scott. You know, you wouldn't know it, but uh, maybe you would know it. We didn't have any rehearsals for this show tonight. <laughs> and I, you know, and, and I say that really, pretty amazing thing. We brought in groups from all over. I've never worked with the groups before. We never worked in this venue before. So we had a lot of moving parts for this show tonight and a lot of people from different places, a lot of things going on up here. And I think we really pulled off something that's a great beginning for the future. Yeah, for everybody. We did go off the rails a few times. Okay, I admit that, right? So, but we, what we want to do, the Social Voice Project, uh, oh, that's a different slide up there. We want to bring back radio theater. Podcasting allows us to do that now. You know, the, it's bygone, right? The art form. So those of us who are interested in this, on this end of it, the microphone end, we're trying to relearn this and we're trying to make this happen. And with your help and your support, we can bring more radio theater to the valley here, Beaver County in Western Pennsylvania, bring in folks from Pittsburgh. And you know, our act has been great because they've been doing radio theater for years for their, their holiday show. Yeah, wonderful. We've been a part of that and we hope to continue that. But the Social Voice Project, we're working with performing artists, we're working with local history groups. Our partnership with the Rochester Area Heritage Society is very special. That's why we're here tonight, because their wonderful museum is at the top floor. Come back. Take a look at this. They're a 501c3. They live and die on donations, right? So your support out with the concessions tonight helps support them. In the future, when we have tickets for these events, those proceeds will help support the Heritage Society as well. We also have a partnership with Merrick Art Gallery. And so our next radio performance is going to be September 21st. It's, it's going to be a, a, a history or radio history show or history radio show, I think I would say it. And then back here in October 19th, we have our Halloween show. And that's gonna be a really, really fun time. So thanks for your support tonight. Thanks for supporting the actors. Thanks for supporting Rochester Area Heritage Society. Please pay them a visit, pick up their literature on the way out. Talk to Michelle Long and the wonderful staff out there. They do an amazing job to keep local history alive and, and we're trying to help support that. So thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give another round of applause to our performers and producers of the show. Thanks for coming tonight. 
and we'll see you again for our Radio History Show on September 21st at the Merrick Art Gallery in New Brighton, Pennsylvania, and good night. You are listening to a production of the Social Voice Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, am I on? Ladies and gentlemen. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. I suppose we had it coming to us because, in fact, we weren't as innocent as we meant to be. We were fed up with the way in which everything that came over this new magic box, the radio, was being swallowed. Anything that came through that new machine was believed. Believed.